Welcome to The How of Business with your host, Henry Lopez, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here is your host. This is Henry Lopez. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. Today with me is Sylvie McCracken. Sylvie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have you here and chat about this topic. We're going to Look at it from the perspective of a, a service professional, which can encompass a lot of things, in particular, healthcare professionals like doctors, acupuncturists, massage therapists, even cosmetologists, coaches, anybody that delivers a one-on-one -on -one typically type of service is challenged with these limitations of trading time for money. Uh, I do it as a coach, for example. So how do you grow beyond that that constraint that, that really allows us to then get to the point where we have passive income so that we're not always trading dollars for hours. Uh, so Sylvie is going to share her interesting entrepreneur story, how she got to where she is today, and, and then talk about how she helps health professionals and, and other people who are, you know, I call them solopreneurs or service providers, how, to help, how she helps them make more income, have a greater impact, and finally enjoy that lifestyle that we've worked so hard for. If you want to receive more information about the How of Business, including links to the show notes page for today's episode, just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996. So Sylvie McCracken helps health and wellness entrepreneurs who have gone off course, as she says, to get refueled and back on track by teaching them to run their business like a well-oiled machine. She has more than a decade of experience working with celebrities in the entertainment industry. And so after that experience, she started her first business in the competitive nutrition and health industry and was able to replace her six-figure salary in 18 months through, who, through her relentless effort by focusing on strategy and efficiency and creating passive income. And as I said, now she teaches other healthcare professionals how to get back in that driver's seat, make more income, have greater impact, and enjoy their lives. Uh, Sylvie lives in Ashland, Oregon. And so once again, Sylvie McCracken, welcome to the show. Thanks, Henry, for having me. My pleasure, my pleasure. So um, let's start at the beginning or as far back as it makes sense to go here. You studied finance yeah. in college, I believe, right? I did. So what, what was the thinking? What did you want to be when you grew up? Well, you know, I grew up in Argentina and uh, we don't do the traditional college thing over there. You know, after high school, you go straight into university. And, you know, because I had a baby at 18, that, you know, plan originally to become a doctor sort of got sidetracked by the need to just, you know, make money and put food on the table a little bit earlier than anticipated. And so uh, when I came to the U.S. at 21 with a three-year-old, I'd been back and forth. I, I spent some time here as a kid, hence why I speak English as well as I do. Um, but when I came here at 21, I quickly realized that Americans love a college degree. So I started working on that. And quite frankly, I chose it because it was one of the two things offered um, at night after a full day of work. And so that's why I chose finance. Very interesting. So, but nonetheless, what, what types of jobs or careers were you looking for then that that degree was going to help with? 
Well, the, the thing is, what was interesting is, you know, I took a job right away at age 21, 22, working for celebrities and pretty much went down that path. And, uh, you know, most celebrities don't even have a college degree, let alone care if you have one, as long as right. you're able to, um, you know, provide the, the, the outcome, right? And so I kind of very quickly got, you know, went up the ranks and started really producing their lives, both personally and professionally. Um, so, uh, you know, halfway through this, the several years it took me to finish that degree, I realized I was just doing it to, to get to completion. Cause why not? Cause I was already there, but I'll never forget coming to my boss at the time who was an A-list actor who did not have a college degree, who had quit mid mid college to really pursue and succeed in acting. I said, Hey, you know, I got my degree. And he was like, well, great. What does that mean? I said, <laughs> nothing. All right, back to work then. So um, you know, it really, I, you know, I thought, well, maybe I'll, you know, go work for an investment banking firm or I'll go work for some other institution. But very, you know, I was already making six figures at the time in my day job. And, it, you know, no matter what jump I made, it really was going to be going down to, to, to square one. And I couldn't, as the breadwinner for my family, I really couldn't go from, you know, in Los Angeles from making over a hundred thousand to making, you know, 30 something thousand starting at the bottom somewhere. Yeah, no doubt. So what were what service were you providing for celebrities? So I started as a personal assistant, a state manager, you know, executive assistant and morphed into sort of a combination of all of the above. Once you've spent several years with one person, uh, very quickly, it just kind of flows into liaising between them and the rest of the world, whether it's personally, uh, professionally, you know, in their in their careers, you know, here and abroad, managing uh, estates, you know, wherever they may have them. And so it's just a little bit of a life producer. Yeah. And so what was, what is Hollywood Homestead? And tell me what that is and when, when you started that. Yeah. So I started that in my evenings and weekends when I was still working for celebrities in Hollywood. And uh, the name just came about from this sort of, you know, dichotomy of here I was growing kale and hanging my cloth diapers in the backyard while, you know, connecting calls with, you know, the likes of Marty Scorsese and whatnot. And it just was so funny to me to have this sort of Hollywood red carpet uh, day job. And then in my evenings and weekends, really, I just wanted to feed my family well, go back to basics, remove chemicals from our home, uh, you know, heal our bodies with nutrition. And so um, that's sort of where the name came from. And it was very, very simply a health blog to start. And I didn't, I knew I didn't have time for hobbies. And so I had to figure out this passion of mine for eating well and for healing ourselves with nutrition. How could I monetize that and make it a business right away? So it started off very much just sharing recipes and blogs and monetizing with a little bit of affiliate income and advertising income and then on to creating our own products like our own ebooks and eventually selling supplements and, and so forth and so on. All right. And so, so that's how you then end up going into the health and wellness industry then? Correct. Yeah. So I started, you know, um, basically selling information on health was about 80% of what we were doing. So what was it about, I mean, it sounded like you had a lot of, I don't know, maybe flexibility is the wrong word, but it was sounded somewhat entrepreneurial what you were doing for celebrities. Why did you decide to step away or, or, or fade out of that? Yeah, that's an interesting, you know, kind of observation. So yes and no on the entrepreneurial front. I had a lot of, you know, flexibility, uh, you know, when 
we were off production, but on four months of filming, there is no flexibility. I Things see. are, you know, Universal Studios doesn't care if, <laughs> if your kid was sick last night, the show must go on. So, so really what I felt like my main drive were two things. A, I felt like I was already getting very close to the ceiling of what one can reasonably make in that field. I've never heard of anyone making more than a quarter million bucks a year. Um, and so I knew that ceiling was coming soon. And also, you know, I really felt like at that point I had a teenager and two kids in diapers and, you know, the, the two little ones for sure. I was coming home with maybe an hour before they had to go to bed. So I was largely missing their entire life. Um, and so what I knew is I really, I mean, the money was sort of, okay, I mean, you need a certain amount of money in, in, in LA to live the way we wanted to live. Definitely we needed the six figures. Um, but, but in reality, money was only a driver to buy freedom. And I felt like my freedom was severely impacted. So I knew that I wanted to build a business where it wasn't a dollars per hour thing. It was something that I could take a Friday afternoon off and go to the beach if I wanted to, or, you know, work a longer day on, you know, on a Tuesday and take Wednesday off completely. And I, that was something that was driving me uh, quite a bit. So I set out to make that happen. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So then what is it that it turned into this health and wellness? What was it? What is the service that you were providing? So this, you know, again, it was, you know, I chose the model based on that. So I knew for sure I didn't want to go to health coach school or become some sort of, you know, uh, doc or nutritionist or anything like that, because I saw that, um, you know, trading that time for dollars, A, I didn't know, I mean, first of all, when the heck would I do at 7 p.m. on a Wednesday when I got off my day job? It was, it was one of those things where I thought, well, I'm, even if I was solidly booked, I would never be able to replace that income with only having my evenings and weekends available. So I chose a business model that was passive income based, meaning in this particular case, selling our digital eBooks um, you know, so creating products that could sell while I was at my day job, while I was sleeping, while I was working or not, so that I could, you know, create that freedom from day one. And I was so committed to that being the thing, to freedom being number one, that I was willing to even, I, I had no de desire even to necessarily, um, you know, make tons of money with it. It was sort of like, as long as I can make what I need to make to uh, get by, that would, that was definitely goal number one. Mm -hmm. How long before you were able to transition to it and let go of the uh, the work you were doing in Hollywood with celebrities? Yeah, so I put in my notice twelve months into starting, and you know I, I worked pretty hard those twelve months and had my sort of successes and failures and ups and downs and and learnings and and everything. But a year in, I was making about sixty thousand, and I sort of felt like that was enough, and I had enough of the trajectory that I thought if I can buy back more time now, then I'll be able to scale this even further. That's fantastic. What what's looking back? What what do you attribute some of that early success to? Did did you spend a lot of time beforehand with Hollywood Homestead, for example, building building a list? How did you find an audience? So, I mean, I think pretty quickly yeah. Yeah. For, for these uh, eBooks and other content. Yeah. So I think, I mean, two of the things I would probably have to attribute the most is a, I mean, one of the, the skills that I sort of brought with me from my private prior job prior life so to speak is hiring and so i hired very very quickly so when those first 30 bucks would come in i thought well who can i hire for 30 bucks to buy back more time i'm happy to not take any of this home mm -hmm. um so that was one of the things that really sped us up is the minute i could create a process i would create an automation and a system and find someone to do it for me and that started with very part-time people overseas and then eventually grew to what it is today which is employers contractors in the us and abroad 
Um, and then the other skill was really, um, you know, I mean, to, to use, I think it's Dale Carnegie's title is, is winning friends and influencing people, meaning really connecting with other health bloggers that have been, you know, around for a lot longer than I had and really using other people's audiences, whether as affiliates or guest posting or whatever it may be. So using, you know, audiences that were already put together and putting myself in front of them. Yeah. It's interesting. So the the first part about hiring the right people and hiring people right away that's such a struggle for a lot of entrepreneurs. I, I know, I'm sure you see this every day as you work with uh, health uh, health professionals, solopreneurs. It seems to me like maybe you observed that. I mean, you were doing that in part for these people that you were working with and for, and you you must have picked that up that they outsource as much as possible, right? Well, that's the beauty that celebrities, they, they sort of have that um, as a forcing function that a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, kind of learn way too late. So yes, I came with that mindset already because if you think about it, celebrities cannot go buy their own milk, cannot right. go buy their own orange juice because it becomes a zoo. Mm -hmm. And so they have no choice but to either have someone go do it for them or if they happen to be on their own on a Sunday and want orange juice, they likely go without it because it's not worth the hassle and the pictures and the autographs. And so if we can adopt a little bit more of that mindset of what are all the things that we are doing that really, truly don't require us, um, I think that's one of those mindsets that allows you to scale very, very quickly. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And so obviously you're a very resourceful person. Um, what, what are some of the other, you think, personal characteristics that have led to your success in, in business and in life? Ooh, man. Um, I mean, I think resourceful is, is definitely one of them. I think, you know, it's not about your resources. It's about your resourcefulness. I believe that's a Richard Branson quote. And um, I'm very much, you know, a, a fan of that. I mean, obviously, um, you know, having a child very young, being on my own very young, uh, resources were not necessarily um, available, but resourcefulness I've had on steroids. And I think another, another, you know, kind of quality has been decisiveness. So, you know, what I see a lot, and of course I've seen, you know, after mentoring health professionals and clients for years, one of the things that really can catapult speed is really making decisions quickly. That doesn't mean that you always get them right, that you're always making correct decisions, but having the ability to get to a fork in the road and say, okay, pick one left or right. We've got to make a decision, like do your little bit of research, but cut yourself off at some point and say, you've got to pick one. You can't stay at the intersection forever. And worst case scenario, we'll make a U-turn and pivot if we made the wrong one, you know, if we made the wrong choice. Um, but that decisiveness and, and you know, the, the inability to uh, stop for very long, I think is something that has served us well so far. Yeah, I, I think that's huge, Sylvie. I, I talk about that often. I think it, to become a successful business owner and entrepreneur, you have to embrace decision-making and you said it perfectly, which is, that doesn't mean that we think well, every decision we make is right. We we believe and trust and have confidence over time that we're going to make more right than wrong decisions, but it's about embracing decision-making. We have to make those decisions and we got to make them fairly quickly, typically. Yeah. And as an entrepreneur, I think that your job really is solving problems. I mean, that's kind of what you, you know, what you signed up for is you solve one problem after the other and you have to, with that comes, you know, making a decision with the, the, the best decision that you have with the information that you have available to you. Were you always resourceful and decisive or was it the life events that happened when you look, think back, has that always been you? You know, that's a really great question. I, I don't know because I can tell you that, you know, if we really rewind back, I am the daughter of an alcoholic 
And I, you know, we had a lot of instability growing up. So a lot of moving, a lot of living in people's basements, a lot of child support not being paid, a lot of roller coasteriness. And I think that uh, to some degree, that dysfunction, for lack of a better term, really did fuel this it's on you and no one's coming to save you type of thing, which, you know, uh, is, is, is what it is. It's not a fantastic perhaps reason, but what that does lead to is, all right, then I guess let's tie up our shoes and let's get to work. And so that has fueled my drive. I think, I think some of it is nature possibly. And some of it is, is nurture and those life experiences that have contributed to that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that, that definitely has fueled you and the desire to have control and um, that I'm sure there's a lot of also, also yeah. fear that, mm-hmm. that I'm not going to be able to provide. Right. So that, that, oh, for drives, sure. that drives us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you have, you know, obviously you have, uh, you know, I've always had to provide from, for myself from a very young age and also for others, right. Becoming a mom at 18, I sort of instantly had that sort of, well, success is the only option. So it's not about if it's about when, um, and that when's got to come quick because the due is the rent is due in forty eight hours or whatever it may be, right? Yeah. So so yeah. So a lot of people who who have gone through that and have had similar experiences in my childhood will turn to the quote unquote safety of a job. Why do you think you saw pretty early on? I need I need more than that. I need more flexibility than that. Of course, some of it was the time constraint. So that was my might have been part of it. But why did yeah. you not think, well, I will go get that finance job and build a career and have a 401k and have benefits and all that good stuff? I mean, I think at that point, you know, I mean, that's sort of why, you know, when I started down that sort of accidental career path in the celebrity world, at that point, I mean, I, that's why I did stick with it for so long. And that's why I didn't start my business in my 20s. And I started it in my early 30s instead. Um, I think at that point, I, I almost didn't really have the option to go for that finance career because that would have meant most definitely not a $100,000 salary from day one. It would have meant taking um, a, a bigger risk, really, or a bigger um, pay cut, really, to start at the bottom and build my way up. And I sort of felt like it was a little too late for all of that. So, yeah. uh, you know, and so, and again, I also, I mean, this might be the crazy entrepreneur in me, but I sort of thought, well, what is my income goal? Well, I don't know, half a million. Well, how can I do that in that world? It's going to take forever and it's unlikely, you know, type of thing. And so I was like, well, I don't have 10 years for all that. So let me figure out a different path that, that can, I, you know, I felt like the only way to do that quicker was to have a business model that did not trade my time for dollars. Because in the Hollywood world, the only people I knew making that kind of money were the $600 and $900 an hour lawyers. And I was just not going to be going to school for 10 years. Yeah, great, great insights. Thanks, Thanks for sharing all of that. Um, so we'll start to segue now a bit more into the topic at hand here of what I'm calling going from service provider to entrepreneur. And so I'd like to start with getting your perspective. And this is a very interesting conversation to me because I usually will use the term small business owner and entrepreneur interchangeably, but there actually is a difference and we're going yeah. to talk about that. So mm-hmm. let's start with your perspective, that difference between a service or healthcare provider, as you say, and being an entrepreneur. Yeah. So, you know, obviously a healthcare provider can be either an employee at a hospital. So a nurse, a doc, you know, that, you know, a a nutritionist, someone that's working, that's receiving a salary that gets their paid vacation, their maternity leave, they sort of make their hundred or 200 or however many hundred thousand dollars a year. And that's that. Um, And then there's the the business owner, um, healthcare provider of the doc that does all of that, but kind of under their own umbrella and trades their time for money, whether it's a hundred, 200 or 300 an hour or whatever it may be. Um, And that is, I guess, 
technically a business owner, although um, what I've come to learn is a lot of them don't see themselves so much as a business owner. They just see themselves as whatever that title is, nutritionist, dietitian, doctor. Um, an entrepreneur, I feel like, you know, you know, them transitioning to an entrepreneur really is this idea of selling their expertise in something other than time for dollars and something other than selling just their time. And so that means either creating uh, products like what we teach them to create, which is digital products that they can sell or creating group coaching and packages and things like that. But something other than just saying, Johnny, 60 minutes, you know? Yes, exactly. And that's the key. And the other way I put it, which is along the same lines is if, if could you step away from your business for a month and you're still generating yeah. income or a week for that matter, and yeah. are still generating some level of income, right? Well, and if, if not, and this is where, you know, I tend to go a little hardcore because the reality is that Henry, I mean, if you can't, then I don't, I'm going to argue you don't have a business. You're a freelancer. You know, the, the reality is if, you know, the business is all on you, I mean, I guess technically for the IRS purposes, we could call it that, but the reality is if you can't even take a sick day and, and, you know, and, and it all goes, you know, to zero, that's a hell of a liability. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I would agree with that position as well. Um, specifically for health and wellness providers, I can come to mind some of the obvious challenges, but why is it particularly difficult? I can think of the doctor, for example. I mean, that's, that's especially initially, that's where they're going to make the most money, or, or at least that's the thought, right? But give me some of the other reasons why it's so difficult in particular for health and wellness providers. Hey, why it's so difficult for them to do that, to make to that transition, shift? yeah, to transition yeah. out of yeah, it. And part of sure. it, I suspect, is what you touched on, which is the identity around it, maybe. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, and here's the, the, the sort of argument to some degree that I have a lot of the times is that, you know, what's, what's interesting to me is that, I mean, even, even if we go to creating packages or creating, you know, pricing based on outcomes on, you know, like, let's say it's a weight loss program and it costs whatever it costs, a couple thousand dollars or something like that. What's interesting is they're not, they, they have not received out of all the millions of hours that they've received in training, not one of them, not a half hour of that has gone to how to make it a business. Not one half hour of that has gone to marketing or sales or anything like that. They're taught to use a scalpel, but not how to charge for it. And so the challenge with that is that what we're left with is what we've been doing for hundreds of years, which is trading time for money. So whether it's $100 for that 60 minutes or $300 or whatever. And quite frankly, what I find egregious is that. What I find egregious and completely broken is a traditional healthcare model of you go see the doc and you spend an hour there and you get you know a, a little snippet of the advice that you need that in reality you're going to need to see him or her another dozen times to get the help that you could get much more efficiently now of course there's always a, there's always going to be a need for one on one there's always going to need be a need for the ER and emergency type services and surgeries and this that and the other that cannot be leveraged or you know taken online and whatever else of course but my argument really is that you know, 80% of the things we're doing very inefficiently. They're costing the patient too much, the client too much. Um, they are not making the doctor enough. And, um, and, and really, people are not getting the help they need. Yeah, no, great insights. And especially on the point of the business and the sales and marketing, I, I was going to say that I'm sure you hear often, well, that, that's why I became a doctor or nutritionist and nurse. I don't want to do the sales and marketing. That's not yeah. me. I'm, I'm not good at that. I hate that. 
Right. And if you, and my, you know, philosophy is if people don't pay, they don't pay attention. So, you know, if people are not, you know, buying your products and services, I mean, if, if you're not good at sales and marketing and you have no interest in be, in doing that, then totally awesome. But then your only choice is to be an employee. That's you're right. going to need the hospital to mm -hmm. sell your services and absolutely keep half of the profit. And you're going to have to complain zero times about it and go and, <laughs> you know, and just go and rinse and repeat and live groundhog day and all day, every day, tell people to stop drinking Coca-Cola and drink more water. And that's fine. Um, but the reality is if you're going to be a business owner. There is no business without sales. Without sales, it is a hobby. What you help people with is to start to build digital products that can start to allow them to build something that starts to generate this passive income. But give me more about that. Give me a little bit more detail about what we're talking about here and maybe an example. Yeah. So we like to start really lightweight. Most of our clients are health professionals that are very, very new to business. Uh, of course, they're not good at, at sales and marketing because why, why would they be? So we bring the sales and marketing expertise and experience and they bring the life changing, whether it's Lyme disease experience or weight loss experience or obesity, you know, specialists or diabetes specialists or, you know, dentists and orthopedic surgeons and physical therapists that help with back, back pain and neck pain and this and that and the other. Um, and, you know, what we really bring is that synergy. And so what we start with is really creating a business from scratch, which is just creating a very lightweight, very easy to produce digital product like an ebook. So a digital book in PDF form. Uh, and we take them through an entire process of how to position and market and title and outline it and produce it quickly and efficiently and really how to become a business owner somewhat overnight. And by overnight, I mean, you know, over the course of eight weeks. And, um, you know, part of that is, you know, our philosophy really is 1.0 and speed of execution, meaning we've got plenty of, plenty of time to make it perfect later, but we just need to get it done and out there because people are Googling right now for the help that you can provide and, you know, leaving either empty handed or with a competitor's product. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that point about, you know, doing it now because I got to think that that builds tremendous then confidence in that individual that, okay, I, I can't yes. do this. Yeah. Well, when they're getting pre-sales week four into the program without a product completed, all of a sudden there is that drive to, oh my God, now I've got to finish the product and put it out there. And oh my God, people actually want what I have and all of this, you know, incredible momentum and energy. And that's, that's my favorite part. Yeah. But let me, let me ask you about the ebook because in my experience and limited knowledge, you're not going to be able to monetize much of an ebook. It just it's, it just helps to create you position you as an authority on a topic, and often you might give it away. But but am I missing something? Are you able to really monetize that at much at this point, or is that just step one? Yeah. So it depends on, you know, well, a couple of different things. So when people come to us and they've already created one and they want help simply marketing it, um, we learned very, very quickly to just say no, because the reality is most people are not creating the product with marketing as step one. And so it's very, very important to make sure you're positioning something that actually is going to sell itself. So we can't kind of put lipstick on a pig, so to speak, later. We can't market a book that has not been created um, with that in mind. So that's number one. Number two, you know, yes, we absolutely, so in our health business, most of our income still comes from our digital books. And so absolutely, I mean, if it's priced appropriately, if, it, if the sales page is appropriate, if the content marketing or affiliate marketing and SEO is appropriate, then you absolutely can make an income just on that one product. Uh, we also have, you know, funnels and backend offers, right? So we can complicate it later. My philosophy is let's keep it simple to start. So we've got some of our clients that, you know, do either supplements or coaching programs on the back end of their eBooks. 
So they are both a lead generator and an income source. Okay. All right. That makes sense. And, and of course, you talk a lot about, and you had to do it yourself, mm -hmm. starting to develop these things while you're still doing your day job, as we call it, or, or your practice, whatever it might be. Yes. Yes. So talk to me about that. How, 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 you know, a lot of people I'm sure ask you, how did you get all this done while you still were doing a full-time job and you had three kids if I was doing the math right? So yep. what, what are some of the tricks and, or when somebody tells you, I don't have the time, yep. what do you say? I mean, when somebody tells me I don't have the time, I mean, it's as if they're speaking Greek to me because I just don't even believe in that phrase. So <laughs> I don't believe in I don't have time and I don't believe in I don't have money. I feel like, again, it goes back to resourcefulness. What it really is, is it's not a priority for you right now, which is totally fine. But if it is a priority for you, then you will all of a sudden make time, right? So for me, it really meant, you know, being ruthless with what else was in my schedule. So I was getting up at six in the morning, I was working for two hours on my project, and then I was going to work. And when I was coming home, I was with my kids and I'd go to bed when they went. And that was my life for a while. So, you know, I, I make, you know, we're very unapologetic about what it takes in terms of being committed. The reality is that most people are not willing to do what it takes to roll up their sleeves and do the active work that it takes to set up a passive income stream. There is nothing passive about setting up a passive income stream. And I think that's why, you know, really, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. The reality is there's some hard work to put in up front and some time to really sacrifice other things and make this, you know, living like people won't so that you can live like most people can't. Yeah. Love that. So many takeaways there. Um, especially the point about passive income, it's not passive. You know, I think about if I'm, if I'm thinking, well, what if everybody does this, then there's no market. The truth is there's only a very small percentage will put in the effort to do this. And that's why there's an opportunity here in part, right? Totally. And, and those are the type of people you're looking to work with, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, cause we, you know, I really like to say, I mean, you know, it's like we, my team is the most committed team on the planet. Like we are just, I mean, unbelievably there, but the reason we filter so heavily for clients is very, very seldom for lack of expertise. The reality is, you know, most people with lack of expertise don't even make it down our funnel. Um, so we have incredibly smart, talented people, you know, all day, every day. What is a little bit harder to find is the ones that are really, truly ready to say, okay, here's what I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to sacrifice my favorite Netflix show and I'm going to make this happen. And that's really that commitment piece of like, do you want to do this or not? So we've now touched on two key things that I talk about a lot that are, in my opinion, key to becoming a business owner, if it's your first time. And that the first one was that decisiveness, being willing to make decisions. Yeah. And the second one is sacrifice. What, what are you willing to sacrifice? Yeah. And I, I find, um, you know, maybe I'm an old guy, so I see it more, but, but people just want it now, right? We want instant yeah. gratification and we're not willing to put in the sacrifice and dedication and discipline to make it happen. Yep, exactly. No, absolutely. And I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm really passionate about talking about that because I don't know where people have gotten that misinterpretation that it's going to be easy and that you're entitled to success from day one. The reality is you're absolutely not. And that's, I think, why most business owners uh, fail in the early in the early months. Agreed. All right, let's talk about it, though, from a practical, tactical perspective, though, some tips on time management that does allow you to make those sacrifices 
anything you could share there that, that I might uh, be able to apply myself from a time management perspective? Yeah, I think it, you know, if you're already making money in your business, then I would start really, really considering what is it that you can outsource as an, as an entrepreneur, your time is your time. So that might mean, you know, starting with the least expensive things first. So it might mean on the personal side, instead of on the business side, which might be a little bit uh, harder to find and train, but whether it's cleaning your house or sending your laundry out or something like that, but where can you buy back some more hours that you are then going to use to actually do the needle moving things in your business to generate more sales, create more opportunities, create more products or whatever it might be for you. So that would be one big one. And, and really I love just taking a red pen and crossing things off. So there's certain things that shouldn't be delegated and shouldn't be automated even that just shouldn't be done. So where are the big time wasters in your business? How can you, you know, take a, a zoom out and look at your week and go, you know what, where could I just find new pockets of time, whether it's by, you know, batching things and doing certain things only once a week versus three times a week, um, cutting out some driving time. Can I listen to certain trainings and whatnot while I'm driving safely, of course, things like that. Yeah, love those. Great tips. And, and I got to think also, Sylvie, from, from that person who's obviously appointment-based, like most health professionals are, do you recommend that they block out a certain chunk of time uh, one day of the week to work on some of these things? Or is it, I got to do it at night? What, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, as far as the time goes, I mean, I yeah. think, you know, what's more important than the quantity is where are you spending that time? And so the challenge is, I mean, A, creating that time, but then also what I've found, which baffles me as well, is how many years, not even months, but years people go, um, you know, actually devoting these four hours a week that they've freed up to following their best guest strategy. And that's the part that drives me a little bit crazy because they've spent, you know, 100, 200, 300, even $500,000 on their on their medical education, but $0 on even so much as a book on strategy for business, let alone maybe even, uh, you know, 1,000, 2,000, 10,000, whatever it may be on a mentor, a coach, a program, a course, a book, something. And so if you are spinning your wheels, I mean, totally, you know, give it a go if you want to do it DIY in the early days and do a little bit of trial and error. But at some point, if you really want to speed things up, you know, investing in a mentor and getting some guidance on what the heck business model you want to do, picking a business model. If it's one-on-one, -on -one, great. Find whoever the best mentor is to grow that practice. If it's something more leveraged, if it's passive income, you can reach out to us, of course. And, you know, but finding whoever's been there and done that before and getting just a little bit of a shortened uh, learning curve on that. Yeah, agreed, agreed. All right. The one that I, the point that I struggle with a bit as it relates to health and wellness providers is location independence. So yeah. do you have an example you can share of that, of how someone's been able to achieve that? They provide a face-to-face -face service, yet they've been able to provide themselves well, location independence? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think that's one of the biggest things. I mean, I'll never forget talking to a client, you know, I think it's probably been maybe a year and a half ago now. And her big challenge was she was on one side, on one coast and had built her practice on this coast. And, um, you know, she was in, she was Canadian. So she was in Vancouver, had built a practice, you know, had word of mouth, had a busy practice, you know, decent money coming in one-on-one. -on -one. And now she was about to have a baby 
and her family was in Toronto, so on the other coast. So basically, LA and New York for for, for anyone not familiar. And um, you know, and she wanted to go back to Toronto so that her mom and her in-laws and whatever could help her with this baby. Well, she couldn't because that meant literally closing her practice to zero and starting back up as someone that was unknown, that had no clients, that would have had to market a business from the ground up and start with her one client and her two clients and whatever else. So she was literally just trapped into this practice in Vancouver in a, in a place that she felt she had, uh, she was isolated from her family, didn't love the weather there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I mean, obviously with that one-on-one -on -one model, you know, what it is is going to telemedicine and I'm not a lawyer, so everyone will have to do their due diligence as to uh, what the rules are in your state and for your licensing. Um, but it really is just taking your one-on-one -on -one across the table and taking it online. And, you know, with, you know, I mean, my, my real philosophy is, you know, can we make that a minimum still? And if you were selling things online, if you were selling courses, digital eBooks, products, whether it's supplements or whatever else, then you can live anywhere on the planet as long as you have a Wi-Fi connection. And so that's another big, I think people don't realize that till they're faced with that situation like this, you know, this doc who is, you know, going on maternity leave and realizing, well, I guess we're stuck in Vancouver. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great example. Another one that popped into mind is I have, I have a good friend and client of mine who has a traditional brick and mortar yoga studio here in the yeah. Dallas area. And, and she's starting to now, and one of the things she provides there is teacher training. So teaching others how to deliver yoga classes. And that has traditionally been done in person, you know, and although in a you know group setting, but she's now not, she's not alone starting to provide that online. And while it would have been something that people would have said in the past, oh, no way, you can't do that. Well, in fact, there are a lot of other people who, who want to receive it that way because they need the flexibility of location. Exactly. Yep, exactly. And I think this is, we need to just get on board with the fact that it's 2019, it's not 1980 anymore. And the traditional healthcare model and the traditional, you know, a one-on-one -on -one model is, is mostly broken. People are not going to drive an hour to see you in traffic and drive an hour back. And that's just that. That's right. That's right. All right. Um, we've touched on it, but summarize for us the services that you all provide. And then what, what is ebook engines? I want you to introduce that if you would. Sure. So we have, you know, a couple of different programs and usually what we do is just, you know, get on a phone call and talk to people to see what would be best for them. Ebook Engines is kind of our flagship program and it's where we help health professionals over the course of eight weeks with, you know, most of our clients really have nothing, no website, no, um, a lot of times not even an idea on what they can provide. They just know what they've been doing, whether it's been, you know, being a dietitian or a doc or a nurse or, um, you know, whatever else. And we help them position and craft an incredible product, outline it, map it out, pre-sell it, you know, get a title, get a cover, get a sales page, get a marketing plan that is a passive income-based marketing plan to grow an audience from scratch. And we do all of that in eight weeks. And, um, and then, you know, we have some clients that choose to work with us from there on, on other programs for a year or a VIP day or things like that as well. Okay, great stuff. If I'm uh, in that position now where I'm, I'm stuck trading dollars for, for hours, and I'm, I'm thinking I want to contact you or someone like yourself. What should I, where should I start before I make that call? What should I start looking at or thinking about? Yeah, well, I mean, what we love is, you know, we have a presentation that really helps to make that decision. So the best place to start would be going to sylviemccracken.com forward slash webinar. And that will really kind of take you through some of the shifts that need to happen before you really make that leap and seeing if you're ready or not. And I think that's a really great place to start. Sure. Yeah, that's fantastic. What is what what is one of those areas where mental, mentally, mind shift wise, 
mindset wise rather yeah. I need to start thinking about? Yeah. I mean, I think it's really, a lot of people really have that self-doubt, which, you know, makes perfect sense. And by the way, is part of the journey as an entrepreneur, that's going to creep up on you anytime you do something new. So it's perfectly logical for that to kick in uh, before you, before you start on that journey. But it really is this idea of understanding that, you know, that you can make it happen, understanding that you don't need to be a marketer. You don't need to be an expert in marketing. You don't need to be a, you know, uh, I don't know, an, an award-winning writer. If you can't, if you have something that could help other people. If you're two or three steps ahead, or in most of our clients' cases, many more than that, ahead of someone else that needs what you can provide, it's your duty to really put that into a consumable product. And if you can write an email, you can write an ebook and uh, shoot, you should be doing it. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, so it's that confidence that you do have something to share of value and you do have a voice. Yes, exactly. And, you know, and it really is, it can be done a lot faster than, you know, the three years that you've been thinking about doing it. The getting ready to get ready has to be short, you know. At some point, either decide, commit, jump in, or stop thinking about it, stop driving yourself crazy and just commit to being an employee and that being your your life for the next however many decades. Yeah, love that, love that. All right, uh, I'm always looking for book recommendations other than your own. Is there a book that comes to mind that you would recommend? For sure. Uh, the book that I can't recommend enough would be The Big Leap, and the author of that is Gay Hendricks. And what's like what's one thing out of that book that you think applies to this conversation so much? You know, I think, I mean, everything when it comes to entrepreneurship is mindset. Without that, it's really, really difficult to apply the strategy. And so I think that some of the shifts that he makes in that book, I mean, I work constantly, every time I recommend that book, I, I constantly hear, oh my God, that's changed my life, not just in my business, but in my personal relationships with my spouse, with my children, with whatever it may be. Um, I think a big part of it is the concept of the upper limit problems that he um, kind of, you know, goes in detail to explain and kind of self-sabotages and how we do these things to ourselves. So mm -hmm. I think it's a really, really um, critical shift. Yeah, it is. So, you know, it's, it's frustrating. And at the same time, it's exciting to know that that is often the only thing that keeps her keeps us from achieving great success, whatever your definition is. Exactly. It's, it's between your two ears. Oftentimes. I'm curious, you have, you have an older child, right? Did I get that right? I, yes, I do. I have a 20 going on 21. So what can you share without getting too personal, kind of how you helped instill that in, in that child? Yeah. So she works for me in the business now. She's a full-time employee. She's one of the best team members we've ever had. And, um, you know, I think a big, a big part of it is, you know, of course, learning to parent when you haven't had perhaps the best example of parenting is always challenging. Um, but I've taken that same personal development drive into my parenting as well. So I've done my, the very best that I can with my limitations at 18, 20, 25, and so forth and so on. But one of the things that is one of my hardcore beliefs that I've instilled, not just in her, but in my other two children that are 10 and eight at this time as well, is really this personal responsibility of, you know, it's up to you and your life is going to, you know, look however it looks based on what you, what actions you take or don't take and what opportunities you take and don't take. And of course, I will be there to help and support and do whatever I need to do. But ultimately, um, it's your responsibility. And I think that that's, that's probably the key. I love that. Thanks for sharing that, Sylvie. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's uh, wrap it up here. What's one thing you want us to take away from this conversation we've had about transitioning from, you know, what we've called a service provider or a healthcare provider to becoming an entrepreneur? One thing you want us to take away. 
I would say it's probably the decision and putting a time frame and a deadline on that decision on if this is something, if you know yourself and you have this, you know, procrastination uh, pattern of staying in a, in a loop and kind of going in circles and not really being able to decide, give yourself a deadline, whether it's this Friday or a month from now, but decide if you've been getting to get ready for months and even years, it's enough of that, you know, either make a decision, commit, invest in yourself and make it happen or let's call it what it is and let's not make it happen and just stop, stop, stop going in circles. Just commit to being an employee or commit to whatever your current life is. I think yeah. that's, that's really the key. Love that. That's a great takeaway. Sylvie, uh, where do you want us to go online again to find out more? Um, you can find me on my website at sylviemccracken.com or anywhere on social media under Sylvie McCracken. Perfect. And we'll, we'll have links to our, her sites as well on the show notes page of this episode. Sylvie, this has been a fantastic conversation, uh, packed full of a lot of the stuff that I, that I try to share and communicate and I try to learn myself, but uh, thanks for being so open and uh, sharing their time and, and being with us today. Thank you so much, Henry, for having me. It was my pleasure. This is Henry Lopez, and thanks again for listening to this episode of The How of Business. My guest today again was Sylvie McCracken. We release new episodes every Monday morning. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at our website, thehowofbusiness.com. You can also just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996 to get more information, including the link to the show notes page for this episode. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information about our coaching programs, online courses, show notes pages, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.